Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. From NBI Studios, this is Truth and Justice, a crowdsourced investigation in real time. I'm Bob Rock. Ahoy, friends. And guess what? I get to say it this week because somebody isn't here to stop me. That's right. So thank you for tuning in to Truth and Justice, or as we dubbed it this week, Truth and Just Us. So this week, Janet and I got to take over because Bob's on assignment. So right now, you're listening to the Friday follow-up for Season 12, Episode 17, The Doctor's Return. Janet and I this week sat down and had a great conversation with Dr. Shiloh and Dr. Scott from the LA Not So Confidential podcast about their analysis on Javier's police interview. So joining me via Zoom is my partner in crime, Janet Varney. Hey, everybody. I mean, ahoy, everyone. There we go. So there is a lot to take in from this episode. We have a few listener questions, and I got a few updates right after this break. Texas Ranger James Holland is a legendary interrogator. They call him the serial killer whisperer. You can't hide those indications, and that's why yesterday I knew that you did it. But now, shocking interrogation tapes reveal how the super cop really operates. And that's why they asked me to come in, because I'm special. From something else, The Marshall Project and Sony Music Entertainment, this is Smokescreen. Just say you're sorry. Listen and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, before we get started, this week, obviously, as you know, Bob is on assignment, so it was just Janet and I. And actually, it almost ended up just being truth and just me. So how are you feeling, Janet? <laughs> I'm feeling better today. Um, I definitely got sick and uh, from the show that I've been working on. And um, boy, yeah, it was a little touch and go yesterday just in terms of like having a fever and not really knowing if I was going to be able to talk today. And I will say exactly what Zach just said. He was so wonderful and so prepared. He didn't want to force me to record um, if I wasn't feeling well. And he created a whole scenario in which he was prepared to just man this whole thing by himself. And to be honest with you, I was kind of excited about the idea just because I love Zach and I love everything <laughs> he ever says. So I would have been fine with it. But I think in the end, because I was feeling better, he... um you you know, you, Zach, were also feeling like, yeah, it's never bad if you can have two people for a conversation instead of monologuing. But It's much better when there's some back and forth <laughs> and just not a one-sided me talking at the wall. <laughs> well, that being said, I'm so excited about the updates that you have. I don't know what they are. So this is totally fresh for my ears as well as it is for all of our wonderful listeners. Well, this first update isn't the greatest news, but it's on Sandy Melgar, our season six case. So this is per Liz Rose. Sandy actually suffered a broken femur. Um, sounds like from just normal wear and tear. 
Uh, she is she's suffered from bone density issues and rheumatoid arthritis for years now. And it just seems like, you know, this is something that was going to happen. It just sucks that it's happened. Um, honestly, I'm wishing her well. I know you guys are wishing her well. And if we can, I think it would be great if all of you guys can like reach out to her, write her a message, let her know we're thinking about her and just kind of wish her well. I mean, it really will keep her hopes high going through this process. If we can just kind of send her a little message. And if you want to do that, the address can be found on our website, which is truthandjusticepod.com. You go to the case sections, you go to season six, you can go scroll down. All the info's right there to write Sandy. And I think it would be really nice if we could reach out to her and just kind of let her know we're thinking about her. Oh, my gosh. I'm so sorry to hear this. You know, that particular case, it's just one of those like when bad things happen to good people. I mean, she, you know, she already was burdened with more health stuff than many of us and, you know, had found a way to build a great life for herself despite all of that and had a wonderful family. And then this happened. And you just it just makes you wonder why does it have to happen to people who don't deserve it at all? So I love the idea of reaching out to her. I definitely will. And also, if you talk to Liz again, give our best to her from everybody because she's so fierce and is fighting so hard and hopefully still taking care of herself. I know she was able to go on a trip and I was like really happy to hear that because we all have to, you know. It's hard to hear this continue to pile on, Sandy, but, you know, mm. we just have to continue to fight and, you know, wish her well and, and keep her hopes high as she goes through this. Kim Kardashian, feel free to write the president and ask for a pardon. Yes, please. <sighs> she definitely deserves it. Moving on to our next update, which is actually from the Jamie Snow season, season seven. So Jamie actually just got appointed a new judge in his case. So the last judge passed away from a bicycling accident, which is wow. pretty tragic. And actually, the last judge was really doing a good job of trying to push this case through. So we're really hoping that this new judge, Judge Tippy will stay on our side and continue to push. There's actually a court hearing set up for September 19th, where he's going to kind of review the status of the case, you know, so let's keep our, you know, thoughts on that one as well, hoping that we can continue to push this case forward. I know they just had that that huge case file. It's about 8,000 documents that they're trying to get redacted or unredacted so they can see them. That's been the holdup right now. So that's kind of where we're at with that case. Okay. Gosh, yeah. Well, hoping for the best. We don't, at least it's not bad news yet because we don't know if this judge is going to be on Jamie's side or, you know. Exactly. <laughs> I guess Jamie's side equals the side of truth and justice. So exactly. um, hopefully this judge will do the right thing as well. And I and I hope that I'm portraying all this properly. You know, some of this is, is secondhand coming through. So I, I hope I'm getting the information right. But it it does seem like this judge is pretty fair and seems like he is is on the road to do the right thing for Jamie and for Truth and Justice. Oh, fingers crossed, and I'm sure we'll get updates as they're available. Thanks, Zach. And our last update would be the West Memphis 3 case, our Season 5 case. So as a lot of you know, Bob and I went down to West Memphis. We kind of had this court hearing that just got turned you know, upside down and kind of went away. So in the process, in order to file an appeals, you have to have a transcript from that hearing. And the West Memphis courts have been dragging their feet continuously not getting Damien's legal team the transcripts. First, they weren't done. Then once they got done in time, they said, oh, you have to pay for them. And one of Damien's legal team drove two hours to West Memphis to pay and collect this, wouldn't release it. So it's been one thing oh, after another. But I am happy to say that Damien's legal team is in possession of the transcripts now, which means that the appeal process is underway and we can start this thing which is great news. Okay, great. 
The other little bit of news from this is Damien's legal team has also been in communication with a candidate for state representative who is extremely interested in changing this law, allowing these people to test the evidence that are not in prison, kind of going around this habeas that we've talked about for weeks now. Right on. I know that was a big priority for everybody after after all that happened. So that's very cool. Yeah, I'm excited to hear this. I know Damien's excited. I think the whole crew is excited. I don't know if Bob even knows this because he's out, you know, on assignment in the middle of nowhere. Uh-huh. But I think this is a, a great step for us. And it's really nice to know that that appeal is underway. Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow, this was a very update heavy. I mean, there's just a lot going on. We wish some of it were better news, but thank you for bringing us up to date on everything. Yeah, you know, it's kind of weird. We wish for updates. You know, we always are wanting updates and wanting more and wanting more. And we're constantly bugging Bob for updates. And then the week he disappears, we get updates. Which, that's good for me and you. That's right. That's right. We got to be the uh, people who knew everything. I was almost going to say the TMZ, and I 100% wish that I wouldn't have even said those words right now, those letters right now, because they don't deserve it. Oh, yeah. Um, Well, buddy, I had such a great time with you last week with Scott and Shiloh. I definitely talked so much, and I'm so sorry. I made it very clear what a fangirl I am, and I think it was clear not just in literally what i said but also the (laughs) fact that i could not stop talking um so thank you for your patience on that and everybody's patience you know the other podcast i have the jv club of one of several podcasts is just me and someone else in conversation yeah and i feel like that's the me that came out in that uh, interview was like well i can talk about all my thoughts and feelings here (laughs) no i loved it (laughs) thank you for putting up with it um but i i loved uh some of this listener feedback and um you know, I'm really curious to hear what your thoughts on uh, based on some of these things that we've that we've heard from listeners. You know, so my big takeaway before we get into that, my big takeaway with talking yeah. to them is a little different than I thought it was going to be. I, I don't know exactly what I thought it was going to be, but I was, you know, this whole time I've been really thinking Javier is suspicious. Javier is this. There's something going on with Javier. And through our conversations, it really felt like yeah, Javier may be hiding something, but maybe it's not as nefarious as we think. Like, it's something mm-hmm. more casual, something he's a little more afraid. You know, he it seems like he does have a secret, like we've alluded to, but I think I kind of felt like he has a secret about the case, where it feels like he may just have a personal secret somewhere in life. And and I guess I didn't really think about that heavily until we talked to Dr. Shiloh and Dr. Scott. And I, I don't really know how you feel about Javier at this point, but, you know... It, it's it's really sad at this point to kind of sit back and, and reanalyze it because if this is who he is, he's truly lost his best friend. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think like all of the other people that have been spoken to who are teenagers, and I know I said this on the, the interview, maybe I'm just naive, but I felt like, you know, there just seems a general sadness and cluelessness about mm-hmm. what might have happened. So it'll be really interesting to see if more things kind of are unearthed that throw a light on any of these interviews that make us see these interviews any differently. But I totally agree with you right now. I feel his loss and it's such a weird position to be in, especially with your dad, who he is. And then you go in, you don't have a lawyer. You really are trying to be helpful, but you also are a close person in her life. And you got to know that you're going to be pressed on some of this stuff. Seems so stressful. And I think one thing that Dr. Scott brought up that really has pushed me to look at it differently is when he talked about looking at a different lens and looking at it as a person. You know, we looked at Javier 
immediately as part of this case, as a, as a piece of the puzzle rather than a person. And I think we need to really focus on doing that a little bit more through the season, not just this case, but every case we look at, that there are okay. things that we just are not going to be able to find by looking like this because we're trying to analyze something that might not be there. We're trying to fit a square peg in a round hole, per se. No, I, I love that. I, that's such a great point. And I think there was that kind of takeaway from the listeners as well. And that's one of the things I love about being a part of the Truth and Justice uh, Army and just the the feedback that we get from people when they have the, they take the time and care to leave that feedback because we know how busy everyone is. And if you can't do it and you're just listening, we love you too, for mm-hmm. sure. Absolutely. But this kind of bigger picture idea of having these experts come in and to your point, we don't know anything about anything in his life outside of this tiny lens Mm -hmm. that's this little pinpoint through which we're meeting him and so i love everything you just said i couldn't agree more you know and i always think when we go into some of these interviews with these with the experts that you're looking for that big aha moment that big moment where they're going to tell us something that we just never saw and sometimes it's not there but there are little things you need to take from this interview and i think that's one of them there's a few things that we need to take from this interview but we can't always be looking for that that giant, like, this is the thing here moment. No, you're right. And that goes back to kind of the cop's lens, too, right? Is, you know, we have to be careful not to look at it from that same perspective. Because that seems like often what police are doing if they're not looking at the big picture or if they're not, you know, really paying attention in, in, in a certain way, my computer is just, con- my computer is trying to escape and I'm not sure. Computer, you're not going to get sick. I just want to reassure you, you do not have to run away from me. You're fine. Uh, um, no, but, you know, we talk about that in terms of the interviewer, you know, looking for that gotcha moment. Right. And so yeah. you're right. It's like we can't we have to be above that if we're criticizing the cop for wanting that gotcha moment and for trying to corner somebody who isn't even really a suspect that we should be careful not to be trying to do the same thing. Absolutely. And for the listeners that obviously couldn't see what I just saw, and Janet is a (laughs) absolute professional as her screen just (laughs) fell over and she continued to talk like nothing happened, but I couldn't hardly take it. So well done, Janet. Well done. It could happen again. It could happen again. I don't know what's, I don't know what's going on. Um, Well, do you want to get into some of these questions? Cause I think, um, the conversation may uh, expand based on some of this great feedback. And I'm so excited to hear your perspective on some of this. Absolutely. Cool. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing. The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. 
So Sue, speaking of bigger picture, Sue says, did the opinions of the doctors change any of your perceptions of Javier? We kind of talked about that already a little Mm -hmm. bit, but do you think our own personal experiences, I love this so much, do you think our own personal experiences can jade our opinions of subjects, Javier and others, when we listen or read their statements? How do we remain unbiased and expect others to be unbiased as they interview these subjects? I love that. I love the takeaway of what you said earlier, Dr. Scott said in the interview about bias. Mm -hmm. And this is something that I really go back and forth on. Not to say that I'm in favor of having a bias. Yeah, It's not that. It's just we are such interesting creatures, right? Because we're so social and we're so comparative. And that's part of how we've learned to survive and adapt as an animal, you know, as a species. Yeah, absolutely. Is... Like, how do you, how does this compare to all of the experience I've had before this? How do I compartmentalize this or how do I categorize this? And it's so natural for us all to say, well, if I were in this situation, I would do this differently. Or when I was in this situation, I did do this, this and this. Or yeah, this you're isn't right. anything I've gone through, but it reminds me of something I went through. So it's so hard for us not to bring our, our experiences in. And I think sometimes that's really useful. But we have to be so careful with it. Absolutely. And and you have to imagine the age and time because, you know, obviously we're all different ages. So we're going to react to different things. You know, so I actually am pretty close to to Javier's age. I'm a little older than they are. But I I remember that timeline. I was fresh out of high school about this point. So so I'm going to do things closer to what he's going to do. Where you and Bob are a little bit older. You're not that much older, but you're a little bit older. You're more into your life at that point of that timeline, you know. So, yep. You forget how things act. Like when we talk about cell phones and we talk about, you know, now cell phones are just live in our pocket and they're this machine that we just can't get away from. But at that point, things were a little different. And then before that, things were even more different. So it's, it is hard to not try to put ourselves in those shoes and, and to kind of think about what we would do because we don't know what, you know, we know what we think we might do, but that doesn't mean that Javier would do that or Becky would do that or Robert would do that. It's, it's so hard. And I think we have to, continue to look through that critical lens of an overview as an outsider. I love it. I love it. Uh, Rebecca says, just a general question. And again, this is very similar to what Sue said. Again, this is why our listeners are awesome. Just a general question. How do we evaluate information without using the bias of our own experiences and expectations? Dr. Scott talked about the experiment where students were committed, saying that they heard voices and doctors treated everything they did as byproducts of a mental illness they didn't have. What a chilling story and so fascinating. How do we avoid that? So Rebecca echoing Sue, um, obviously we agree with you too, Rebecca. Mm -hmm. And like, it's a big question. And, you know, it's something that law enforcement is supposedly, and I'm sure they are, but I think that's an ongoing evolving part of the training process, right? Is absolutely sometimes we think of things just in terms of racial bias, for example, or class bias when it Mm -hmm. comes to law enforcement and criminal justice. But this kind of psychological bias is also so important to be aware of and, you know, try to take steps to avoid making mistakes with. I think that's the biggest thing. I think exactly what you just said is being aware of it. I There's there's only so much we can do to actually stop it or to be in the moment, but you have to be aware that you're doing it, I think, is a big issue. And, and honestly, I would love to bring this question back next week and kind of see what Bob thinks about it as well, because I think his answer might be a little different than ours, being that he's a little more involved in this. But I think, as Absolutely. you said, being aware of that bias helps us lean away from that bias. 
Yeah. Great, great, great. Kathy says, now that they've listened to the whole season, do they have an opinion on whether Becky was a target or her mom and John? Great question, Kathy. I think we should follow up with the docs on this, and I can just send them an email. And, you know, if there's outstanding stuff that comes up with the rest of these listener questions or anything, you know, obviously I not I don't want to ping them left and right with single questions. But yeah. um, maybe there can be like a follow up email where a couple of things that uh, fit together nicely, we can send over to them and, and then, you know, let you guys know what they say. That's a great question. I didn't know that they had listened to the whole season. So that was not something I was, I didn't have any questions prepared on that. Yeah, I I didn't either. Didn't know that. So, you know what I mean? So it's like you and I found that out in the moment. Yeah. And we were so focused on the Javi interview. I didn't even think to ask them that question, but it's a really good one. So we'll have to follow up on that. It it was nice to know that they had listened to the whole seasons, which means they have gotten some of that stuff out that we've talked about that we didn't know. You know, so many listeners, you know, we have, we have a few listeners that have talked about some of the biases that maybe they believe are being put out in the case, which, which I don't believe are, but some of the people, some listeners believe there's some biases. So to know that the doctors have heard everything that's been put out, heard the fact that, that we now know that Robert called Becky first, you know, that has been a big point of contention, but they, they didn't really seem like, phased by that because we kind of even mentioned it a little bit they didn't really seem phased by that and it didn't really change their point of view so i think that was good to know but it is great to know that they listened to the whole season and i think this is another good point of you reaching out and hopefully we can get a little answer from them and maybe we can drop it next week's follow-up yeah great danielle says late to the game here but listening to the episode and i haven't heard this addressed i noticed in the javier interview that at one point the cop asks did you kill her slash could you have killed her To which Javier replies, I could not have killed her. I loved that girl. I feel like I've heard Jim Clemente say before that when someone says that rather than I loved Becky, it's because they're trying to distance themselves and can sometimes be a red flag. I realize the interview needs to be looked at as a whole, but wondered if anyone else noticed that or thought anything of it. Danielle, I'm so glad you brought this up. I think regardless of of how everyone falls on either side of whether significant or not, it's exactly along the lines of what we're talking about. Like, what are we analyzing? What do we expect? What would we say? What do FBI profilers say that means? What's the and we'll get uh, we have some great points coming up from listeners about sort of looking at an overview of a person's behavior. But mm-hmm. aside from just isolating one thing, um, which, you know, again, Danielle accounts for in her post. Um, Zach, what do you think about this? Any thoughts on that? You know, beforehand, I, I did, when I heard it, it did seem a little strange to me. It did, you know, it, it sounded like he was trying really hard to connect himself to her and prove that there's no way that he had any thing to do with this because he just loved her so much. But then hearing the doctors kind of talk about it and talk about those those kind of juvenile relationships and how they can develop quickly and, and how these feelings can develop quickly in, in relationships of this age. It, it has kind of swayed me a little bit that maybe it's it's not so unusual. Maybe he really does have these strong feelings of friendship for her. Maybe there was, you know, maybe he really did love her. Maybe he did want to be in a relationship with her and it just wasn't there and he knew it wasn't there. But maybe he really does love her and and that was an issue for him. Yeah, I, I'll be honest. This is exactly the kind of thing that I like to think I pick up on because I am a true crime buff, just like so many of us. I absolutely did not even notice it this time. Did not really? notice that he didn't call her by name in that particular scenario. Maybe because in the overarching of the interview, he mm-hmm. did seem like he was being so personal about her and talking so much about her and the intimacy that they shared. 
As far as what you just said, too, about the love and about those relationships, again, not a psychologist, so defer to the experts. Speaking from the bias of my own personal experience and being aware of it, I, I can both recognize that the like very intense emotion I felt about friends and more as a teenager were very could be dramatic and could come up over you know very quickly and then maybe flare out quickly or whatever still part i feel like it was real you I know do what too. i mean yeah i do too so it's hard i mean infatuation like a like a crush on someone you don't know where you're kind of spending a lot of time having that adrenaline feeling but it's not necessarily based in real a real relationship of any kind mm-hmm. that's to me a little bit different so i would kind of put that in a different category but spending a ton of time with a person um, you can, if you are sort of throwing yourself into it and you're spending a ton of time with someone, you can get a real sense of them quickly. Again, we don't always show every side of ourselves to every person, but I think he spent enough time with her over those months and also just the sense of her being a buddy before that even. Um, I think that love can absolutely be very, very real and um, whatever form it takes. I wholeheartedly agree. I absolutely agree with you on that. You know, and I think too, we also, I mean, maybe maybe it's just me overthinking it or whatever, but, you know, you have to think, too, that he's in shock with this. You know, his best friend has just been murdered. He, he at this point, knows the situation. You know, had it been previous to this, he doesn't exactly know the details. But at this point, I feel like he knows what's happened. And you're in shock a little bit. So maybe there's there's something there that he's, you know, he's he seems, quote, unquote, off because he is in shock. Yeah, that's a great point, too. And maybe I'm just, you know, maybe I'm overthinking. I don't know. I do that a lot, too. No, I, I first of all, it's I don't think it's ever a bad idea to allow for someone to be in shock after something so horrifying. So give yourself major points on that because <laughs> you're totally right. You're totally right. Sarah says she has two questions. Do you feel Javier was hiding something about himself or something about Becky? And how long had Javier's mother been in politics? Wondering how much of his life had been impacted by the image management imperatives of a parent's career. Going backwards, I have zero idea about Javier's mom. Do you, Zach? Maybe we can talk about that with Bob more. In a- I had to ask Bob a couple weeks ago what she did. So <laughs> I, yeah. I don't know either. <laughs> um, you know, Maybe that's another one to maybe bookmark and bring up when, when the quote-unquote boss is in the office. And we'll, we'll yeah. see what he has to say about her timeline and kind of how that represents... Because if she has been around a long time, I do feel like maybe there is some of that need to clean up your personality for that public persona. Yeah, that's a great point. And and again, as we talk about biases, but also talk about, you know, the way we're raised and who we're raised around, I would say that he's he's very he seems very comfortable around adults. Mm-hmm. So and having a dad who's an investigator for the DA and having a mom who's in politics, that doesn't really surprise me. That doesn't mean it's a guarantee. But, you know, it's you could sort of see how those things might have a connection that, you know, he feels comfortable volunteering information. He feels comfortable being in the mix. That's true. Uh, for something like this, even though it's this horrible tragedy. It's like he's seen both of his parents again. Total speculation, total speculation. But he's seen both of his parents uh, be a part of and respond to kind of big stuff. Mm hmm. And maybe feels like, okay, this is, you know, it's not crazy for me to want to be involved in this or be helpful or participate in some way, um, in a way that maybe someone else wouldn't feel. But also, I can see the point of him maybe not 
laying everything on the table because they are worried about public image. You know, in the, yeah. the town I live in, we have a state representative that honestly has a office two doors down from my tattoo studio, you know, and we've dealt with his family a lot and you see them deal with public image and, and his son played baseball with my brother and, and we've kind of know the family a little bit and you see how they react to situations and how they kind of, uh, I don't know the best term to say, but they, they kind of clean up when they're doing certain things to make sure that they have that public image put forth that they're this wholesome family. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting because he does come in to talk to the cops without either of them and without a lawyer. So I would say that leans towards they're not necessarily like policing that. Mm-hmm. And then also he does he's forthcoming about him, he, he himself and Becky and his buddies smoking weed, which at the time was illegal. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know how much that has to play in on it, but it's it's a great point. It's a great question. Again, looking at environment and, and yeah. you know, how we are and why we behave the way we behave. Uh, so going back to her first question, um, do you feel, Javi, and I know you said something about this earlier, so it, it sounds to me like you feel like you don't know. You don't know if Javi's hiding something about himself, something about Becky, right? I, You know, I, I don't. And, and I hate to speculate. And I don't feel like it's my place to speculate on what, if he has a personal secret, it's not my place to speculate on what it may be. If he has guilty knowledge or secret of the case, you know, it's a little different and I want to know what's going on. But if he has, if there's some speculation about his sexuality or something along those lines, it's really not my place. Yeah, I agree with you. And, and I think I liked what the doc said about this on the podcast episode. Um, and, and I guess I feel just totally open to whatever. I feel open to it being for whatever reason. I maintain that even if it is that he has romantic feelings for her. Mm-hmm. I'm just not in a place where I'm prepared to add that as a serious risk factor, like unrequited love would cause him to kill her whole family. Again, there's a lot, there's so much we don't know, but um, I'm I'm just sort of living in that neutral zone, but on the side of, I don't know if he's, you know. I agree. You know, I want to, I want to bring up one thing you mentioned a second ago, and that was, and we may have a question. So if I am, I'm trumping it, I'm, I apologize. But you mentioned that that Javi came in with with no lawyer present, no, I mean, any, no parent present. Does that seem strange to you? I mean, I feel like we see it all the time, but usually we see it with people who wouldn't necessarily quote unquote know better. Yeah, and I think that this happened not that recently, but it didn't happen in like 1989. Do you know what I mean? Yes. And I love, by the way, what Shiloh said, where she put it into perspective about the kind of police techniques that were going on, mm-hmm. like in that era yeah. that she could relate to and remember like, oh, this is, you know, there were a lot floating around. I love that part of the conversation because it was a cool context to get. But yeah, because of who his parents are, it is a little surprising in mm-hmm. a sense that, you know, it, it makes me feel like his parents are very confident that he has nothing to hide. I agree. And and but that's speculation. I, I think it would be not completely out of the question had it not been that his parents are who they are. If it was just a random teenager, people will go in and talk all the time. That doesn't seem strange. But being the fact that his father is who he is, his mother is who she is, it seems like they would have said, I, I don't want him questioned without a lawyer, knowing what can happen. But like yeah. you said, maybe they truly believe he's got nothing to hide. Yeah. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. 
The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay. So Ari says, uh, Dr. Shiloh mentioned multiple times in this interview, and they've both mentioned it on their LA Not So Confidential podcast, that they don't put weight in slash believe in behavioral analysis slash profiling. Bob works with Jim Clemeni, a retired profiler with the BAU. They've both, the doctors and Jim, contributed to this season. How do both of you feel about profiling? Ari, what a great question. And it kind of highlights, in a way, one of the things I love so much about this podcast, which is getting those different opinions, getting mm-hmm. those different professional perspectives. What do you think, Zach? So I, I, I'm I, not a listener of LA, not so confidential. Not, I mean, I'm not, I, I just don't know anything about it. I don't really know their perspectives. The way that I took what Dr. Shiloh had to say was more, they don't believe in that profiling analysis during interviews of saying because of this, this person is lying. I don't think that they necessarily don't believe in profiling because I think there's a lot of characteristics of facts we know that can help profile a case over speculation. And that's what I took her saying. Now, maybe she said something completely different on her podcast, but that's what I took was she doesn't believe it in those situations where you're trying to get a visual read off of somebody based on that. So, yeah, going back to loving different perspectives, I think, Ari, I I listen to the podcast, too. I'm trying to think if they've fully said flat out that they don't believe in behavioral analysis. And if you say so, I I believe you. I do agree that they kind of subscribe to a different approach or or adjacent approaches to what um, it seems that Jim does. But I took it the same way that you did in this exact context. Zach, I took it as we don't know enough about him or his kind of baseline behavior, if mm-hmm. you will, which we'll get into in a second, to want to overanalyze like the leaning in versus leaning out or but boy, when she said the more expertise you think you have, the more wrong you tend to be in that study, that really stuck with me. Yeah. That was a big one. So either way, yeah. But yeah, I think and I think even Jim says, you know, I, f- I feel like the behavioral profilers and uh, are are usually pretty on top of saying, you know, this doesn't mean it. This is the answer. Mm-hmm. It's just a tool. It's a tool. If you try to do your work with only this tool and nothing else, you're going to be a lot of trouble. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> you and, know, and but uh, can it work in this scenario, or can it help? Listening to Jim talk about different things, you know, a lot of stuff they base it on isn't necessarily perception. It is facts of the case. And they're building a profile based on the facts of what we do know. And again, like you said, it's a tool. It's not 100% this is what it is. This is just what we believe it could be based on the information we have at hand. And I sat with Jim at CrimeCon this past year, and him and I talked about a case, one of his first cases he ever worked, and I didn't think much of it. And he was explaining to me how they kind of broke down the case. 
And we went through the, we physically went through the motions, which is the story that I've kind of joked about and alluded to that Jim bit me. I don't know if that's on a Patreon episode where Jim bit my arm. I think it's just on Patreon. But we went through the whole motions of the case and he was explaining things based on that. And then when we physically did it and he bit me and every, and it all came together and I was like, holy shit, it makes sense now what he's saying once I saw it like that. So Again, we talked about bias earlier, and I'm aware of my bias, but seeing Jim do it firsthand, I, it's, I mean, it puts a lot of weight into my perspective, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have so much respect for all of these professionals, and I feel like, you know, one of the cool things about being a listener and not being a professional is we're in potentially a little bit of a sweet spot because we do get to hear um, people come at things from so many different places. And um, so I really enjoy it. It's a great question, though, Ari. And as soon as I read it, I was like, oh, yeah, this is a really good question to bring up. It was a good question. Yeah. Uh, Lynn also was curious about Javi's secret. And if we have an opinion on what we're holding back, I feel like we covered that. Um, I wonder what Lynn thinks. Um, Jeanette says, love the episode so much. You guys are so fantastic. Jeanette, you're a patient and wonderful person. Agreed. Zach is fantastic. <laughs> I'd like to get your opinion and the doctors, if possible, of Becky's two female best friends. She's blank on their names. I believe it's Janelle and Claire. Uh, from what I remember of their interviews, they basically said Becky was a liar and could have done this. And then the caveat may absolutely be remembering this wrong. She says, I remember feeling really sad for Becky that her best friends were talking about her like that. And I guess my very long winded question is, what are your thoughts about them? I'm not accusing them of anything. I at first I was wondering if they'd said anything about the pregnancy, then just started thinking about how they were talking about her. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about that in past episodes as well, having that feels so, like such a long time ago that we listened to those interviews. Um, what do you think, Zach? It, it's weird to put a perspective on it. The first thing I immediately think is, well, clearly, maybe they're not as good of friends as they portrayed themselves to be or that everybody thinks they are, being that they're talking behind her back like that. Or maybe that's really how they feel. But a lot of things sway things back and forth, ex- back and forth, especially at that teenage, those years, where I know that I've probably said things about friends afterwards that I'm like, ah, that probably wasn't the best thing to say. But but saying that she was capable of doing it or saying she did it are two different things, I think, to me. And I, I guess I don't know exactly what if they said, oh, she she would have done that or she was capable of doing it. But I think... Those are two totally separate things in my head, knowing and and thinking that she could do it. Because, I mean, that's like self-harm. There, there's the possibility of people committing self-harm. And there's, you know, somebody that you're like, I just based on her interactions, I could see them doing it. I, I think those are two different things. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I, I wish that I would have had a chance to go back and listen to the interviews again. So, mea culpa on that. I just didn't have a chance. Um after seeing the question, but I think we kind of maybe at the time established that when, and I believe it was Janelle, but I could be wrong. uh, When Janelle said, for all I know, she could have done this. um, It seemed like she, when asked further about that, that she was like more implying that it could have been an accident that, that Becky like accidentally started a fire or that one of her family members Mm -hmm. could have accidentally started it. Like if they fell asleep and they had something lit somewhere and then the whole sort of liar thing. Yeah. I mean, they were sort of saying that she had a tendency to be dramatic or to exaggerate stuff. Um, And I think that's very normal for a teenager. It's hard to say. It's hard to say. 
I'm going to go back. I'm going to say I feel like I need to go back and listen to those interviews before I respond more because I don't want to like misspeak and then have to the very next follow up be like, everybody, I was totally wrong. (laughs) I completely forgot or, you know, misremembered this thing. But I think that's something those interviews and those friendships are hopefully something that we'll circle back to because I think probably a lot of people are, you know, thinking back on that and wondering how significant it is. So I'm glad that uh, you brought it up, Jeanette. Lynn also asks, is there a question for the doctors that you wish you had asked? Well, I got to tell you, I found out that I wish I would have asked that question uh, that we had earlier from Kathy um, about their overall opinion. Um, How about you, Zach? Yeah, I think going in, had I known that they had listened to the whole season, I probably could have came up with more questions for them. I I, I don't know right off the top of my head what they would have been, but there definitely would have been more questions knowing that they knew more than just Javi's interview and just Robert's interview. You know, there's a lot to unpack with it. I don't, I just don't know. I know there would be more questions. I would just have to put time into thinking about what they would be. Yeah, agreed. And if, again, uh, if you if you folks have questions that you'd love for us to throw out there, we'll, you know, we'll see if we can put together a little small email package for the docs. Um, your question may be a part of that. Uh, Sandy says, great episode. Well done. Just us. Really enjoyed it. Thanks. We didn't filter through these questions. We just sort of wanted to read them. So, um, I don't want to seem like we're patting ourselves on the back, but Sandy, thank you so much. (laughs) (laughs) It's a little intimidating to have done that. So thank you so much for your support. Sandy says, I don't have a question, but I wanted to comment about the doctor's comments on reading body language in relation to truth telling and deception. I think the article in the link below, which was a Newsweek article, article, Um, gives a great explanation of how this is often oversimplified, misunderstood, and dismissed. When it's done well, reading body language and and analyzing linguistics can be extremely effective in identifying areas of stress and incongruence which signposts toward what to investigate further. However, you need to establish a baseline first. You look for significant deviations from that, and you need to explore those areas further whilst also considering the context surrounding them. Quite honestly, I did read the Newsweek article. Sandy, um, if those were, if that was just you putting that in your own words, just reading that paragraph was as good as reading the uh, <laughs> article. That was so well put, um, very professional. You kind of covered everything that's in the article, but you said it a little more concisely. So, yeah, I mean, I, I agree. What do you think, Zach? Uh, you know, I think we've touched on it a few times, but I don't think you can really tell by body language whether someone is lying. I think you can tell whether they're uncomfortable. And that doesn't necessarily mm-hmm, mean mm-hmm. they're lying, but I, you know, so there's definitely, there's definitely something to it, but you can't say because of X, they are lying. We know they're lying, you know, or because of this, we know they're lying. It, it's, we can tell they're uncomfortable. And I think that's what the doctors try to get across is the fact that we can't, we don't know if someone's lying just by seeing them or hearing them. You know, I think Dr. Scott brought it up last time he was on about the micro expressions and how they can tell certain things from micro expressions. But clearly we had no way of seeing anything like that. But right. I mean, you know, I don't put a ton into this, I guess, based on the fact that someone could be uncomfortable, you know, just that doesn't mean they're lying. Yeah, and I think uh, I think that's the article did a good job, and Sandy did a good job of of kind of elaborating on that. In that, if you can, if you have the luxury of getting a a true sense of someone's quote unquote baseline, then even if they seem like they're showing signs of discomfort, to try to take all of the context into account, and again. I guess you could go back to the idea of like, what tools are in your toolbox? Is this one of the tools that's in your toolbox? If it is, 
and you can do it responsibly, then that's probably fine. But it should never be the only thing that you do. Anything with human behavior is so tricky. That's why I have so much respect for people who study it for a living, because I just feel like it's this Russian doll that you just keep opening oh, more, yes. more, 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 more. And there's just tinier and tinier dolls like I feel like we'll never understand the human brain the way we feel like we should be able to based on all the other stuff we figured out yeah. scientifically that we're like, surely we'll figure out consciousness, the brain and how human behavior works. It's like, yes, I feel like we have a sense of some of that. And then there's just other stuff we don't not even have a handle on yet. You're, and you know what? I'll never know because I draw pictures for a living. So I'm excited to leave it to the <laughs> experts and I'll listen to what they have to I say. No. The artists with their sensitive minds and the way they see the world often is different and brings a different perspective. All right. You're That's trying to make valuable. me feel better, and I appreciate that. <laughs> um, well, thank you all for uh, participating, getting some feedback in, and for, you know, hanging with us when it's just uh, truth and just us, because this was definitely an experiment. And not only did you hang with us for the episode, but you came through with some great questions to follow up. So we that means the world to us. Yeah, thank you guys so much for joining us. It's It's been fun having just Janet and I. Bob will be back from his on-assignment trip this week, so everything will be back to normal, hopefully. Janet, I really appreciate you sticking this out with me today. I know you're not feeling well. I hope you can get some rest. Oh, thanks, buddy. Wait, what can I look forward to on Sunday? Do you know? Oh, good question. So coming up on Sunday, you guys are going to hear Jacob's police interview. It's Becky's ex-boyfriend, who we all know, Javier's cousin. So I think this is going to be a really good one. And we're going to have a lot to talk about when Bob gets back. Oh, can't wait. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for putting up with my sick voice. <laughs> Thank you, guys. NBI Studios production and is distributed by Wondery. Edited by Kelly Barron's Brink and all music for the show was created by PutThemInASong.com Our follow-up logo was created by me and all of our font across all of our logos and banners were created by Tate Krupa of Red Swan Graphic Design. You can find more of Tate's work on Etsy. Thank you to Katie Ross of CreatedInTandem.com for designing, creating, managing, and maintaining our website, TruthAndJusticePod.com where you can view all photos and documents discussed in every episode. And a big thank you to our transcription team, Pamela Westby, Kathy McElhaney, Kay Woodyomnik, Ginger Viola, Erica Cantor, Danielle Rohr, Jennifer Ford, Courtney Wimberly, and Melissa Cardenas. And as always, thank you to all of you for all of your engagement and support. If you like the show and you'd like to support us, you can do so in several ways. To financially support the show, the best thing you can do is just go to patreon.com slash truthandjustice. You'll not only be supporting the show, but you'll get something in return. On Patreon, you can pledge as little as $3 a month, and we have reward levels. For just $5 a month, you get access to ad-free versions of all of our episodes and behind-the-scenes bonus video content every week. Then other reward levels include t-shirts, hats, and even the opportunity to co-host one of our Friday follow-up episodes. Just go to patreon.com slash truthandjustice. You can also do us a huge favor by going to iTunes and leaving us a five-star rating and review. And lastly, you can always support us by supporting the brands that sponsor this program. If you have a new case that you'd like us to consider for future seasons, you can submit your cases on our website, truthandjusticepod.com. Just click on the case submission button and fill out the form. And the most important thing that you can do is to engage in our investigations. You can keep in touch with us through our email at theories at truthandjusticepod.com. 
You can like our Facebook page or join in on the conversation on the Truth and Justice Podcast fans page on Facebook. And for all you tweeters out there, you can connect with us on Twitter at TruthJusticePod. To follow our personal accounts on social media, I can be found in all forms at Bob Ruff Truth. Janet can be found at Janet Varney, and Zach is at Z to the Q. And don't forget that we always have our 24-7 voicemail line open for questions, comments, or tips on our cases. That phone number is 269-224-2833. However you do it, stay engaged, stay in touch. As for now, we're signing off. I'm Bob Ruff. I'm Zach Weaver. And I'm Janet Varney. And this has been Truth and Justice. I knew for sure I was coming in with the Ahoy because he couldn't stop me. No, <laughs> oh, I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud. Oh, my God. My vacuum started on its own, my robot vacuum. <laughs> Kelly, tell me what wine or beer you love. I will send you a case. Help! Vacuum! Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply.